Hello and welcome to the iChiefs podcast series brought to you by the International Association of Fire Chiefs. This is a podcast series not only for our members within the IAFC, but really for any fire service leader who wants to learn about engaging topics to our industry, innovation, leadership skills, and all the other emerging subjects that are important in our arena. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief of the City of Rogers, Arkansas, and a past IAFC president. And I'm Sheldon Gilbert, former Fire Chief of the Alameda County, California Fire Department, and now ESCI Chief Development and Strategy Officer at the IAFC. We're glad you're here because this podcast is designed for you, the fire and EMS community. Before we start this week's topic, make sure to check out our library of episodes at iafc.org slash podcasts and subscribe to our podcast series at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you think the content is great, be sure to share it with your crew and give us a good rating or a thumbs up. Joining us today for our third and final episode on recruitment and retention is Fire Chief Jake Rhodes of the Buckeye, Arizona Fire Department. Jake is now a 30, is that how long you've been on the job now, Jake? 30 years? 30 in August, yes, sir. 30 years on the job as a career firefighter in one, two, three states by my count. And so Jake brings with us not just a, 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 a wide array of experience, but he brings us some perspective, having seen um, the culture of our fire departments, the environment that we do recruitment and retention change. And he's uh, still a pretty new chief. And so, uh, Jake, tell us about your uh, your journey in the fire service and about the department that you call home now. Let's start there. So I started my career in 1992 uh, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I did my first um, first 16 years of my career there, rising through the ranks and eventually became training chief before I accepted a uh, uh, assistant chief's job with another organization. And I was there for a short time before I had the uh, fortune to go to Rogers, Arkansas, where Tom and I spent four years together, me as his deputy chief. And and uh, we accomplished quite a bit in that time frame, to say the least. Uh, from there, I went to be the chief of Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, Edmond is the uh, part of the Oklahoma City metro area, the city to the north of Oklahoma City. And then I uh, spent the last seven years with the Kingman Fire Department in Arizona, um, which I'll talk a lot about today, especially in this topic, because it was challenging there to say the least, uh, before accepting the chief's job in Buckeye Fire Medical Rescue Department here in the Phoenix Metro. We are the fastest growing city in the country for the last three years. And uh, one of my one of my challenges is a couple with this area is one that uh, we are the western side of the metro. And with growing so fast, um, in about 2000, 2002, this was a population of 8,000. We are now 104,000. And building commercial residential growth is through the roof. With that comes 639 square miles uh, of six stations. We'll put our seventh station on the ground, uh, hopefully starting in July. So. Uh, the geography alone is a challenge in response times and coverage, along with our rapid growth of uh, call volume as well as distance. So, 
that's kind of where I'm at now. Hey, that's excellent, Chief Rhodes. And, and this is Sheldon, and it's an honor to be with you uh, today. And I've had the privilege of working with you a little bit when you were the Chief of Edmund and yes, uh, following you a little bit. And you're doing some amazing things. And I, I have a high degree of respect for what you do and how you do it. And and this is such a timely conversation because, as, as, as Tom said, this is really the third segment of a three-part series on on recruitment and and so we we have found as we've talked to people throughout the united states and it's kind of nice because we've talked to folks from different regions um what is different i mean we find these organizations needing to to do smaller recruitment classes they can't fill all their vacancies at once i mean and this is this is with the backstop of when you and i and others probably got into the fire service we stood in line at a stadium or city hall for 200 of the coveted applications and it's just it's just all changed so can you tell us a little bit from your perspective of what you've seen change and what is different why is this recruitment such a challenge now versus what it has traditionally been for us in the fire service leadership i think a couple things that i see and especially coming from rural arizona for seven years uh kingman is in mojave county which is about 100 miles south of las vegas so one of the challenges that I see coming, especially from rural Arizona, is I think there's a workforce coming in that is looking for something different. And it might be in a bigger, uh, a bigger city, a bigger population with more opportunities. So they're looking at, at things more like the quality of life and not necessarily the job, where I think if we go back to when I started, it was just about service. I just wanted to be a firefighter. I just wanted to, to do those things. And you don't see that as much as anymore. Um, I can remember early in my career, you used to fight for overtime. And now I think you're seeing uh, the fight not to be mandated or not to have to work any additional hours. And uh, I think that comes with service and uh, the family life and our other commitments. We all know firefighters have second jobs or third jobs in some cases, but I think some of that overwhelms their primary job, and that is the mission. And I think you got a workforce coming in that sees things a little bit differently, a little bit different perspective. What about, I mean, so you've seen things change, and I think it's interesting that you link the overtime conversation into this, because this is also something you hear a lot when people talk about generational challenges. How much of this problem do you think is related to generational stuff versus the, you know, economics, you know, economic things going on and uh, low unemployment? I mean, do you have any perspective as to, you know, what caused the situation we're in and, and what are you seeing in Buckeye? Do you have vacancies that you're having trouble getting candidates for? So I think there's a couple things that, that kind of link in there. And I think a lot of people pin things on generational, but I don't think it as much as generational as society. It used to be where if you called in sick, you were ostracized. And I mean, you were in some cases, uh, they would come to your house and check on you and where are you at and all these things. That's not the case anymore. Uh, sick leave anymore. Um, and we all have them in our different organizations that people will call in sick because the vacation's full. They're going to be off. There is not a commitment. And I think, if they are checked up upon, it is a, an entitlement. That's my time. I needed that time. And I'm not saying people abuse that, but in some cases we know that it's abused. Um, so we have on any given day uh, in our department, we have several people on sick leave. And I'm not saying it's abused 
or anything else. But we have to account for some of that because we're mandating people back as well. And we don't check up on people anymore. So I think that is not just a generational thing, but I think a society thing. I think that time and value is becoming more so that people aren't looking at shift work like we used to. If we look at 4896s, some people don't want confined to just be in there for 48 hours. And so, and people coming in as new hires, they don't see that as a benefit at all. They want to be off when they want to be off. And I see that on a promotional side too. I'm recruiting right now for a EMS division chief. And I have one of our internal candidates who has bluntly said he's got a, a social life that he likes to travel and do these different things and do outdoor activities during the week when nobody's really at these trails and things like that. So he would rather work on either from home or uh, on take some of his times on Friday, Saturday, Sundays. And that's a out of the norm for the fire service, right? So we don't think the same as others in giving those flexible schedules and some of that. And I think people are affected by the schedules that we maintain, both the 4896 or whatever shift schedule, as well as the traditional office schedule. Those, those are extremely good points. And it, and it points to a change in culture and a change in priorities that is very fundamentally different than what we've traditionally looked for and really demonstrated as a recruitment pool in the traditional fire service. So, so I guess my, I have a two part question. So I, I guess the first part of my question chief is, is this a moment in time? Is this, is this a generational thing that's kind of combined with the reality of the pandemic and the reality of the economy and the reality of things where, where this could potentially shift again? Or do you think that this is a new foundational reality that we're going to have to build off into the future? Um, and then I want to ask you some questions about how we do that. But, but what, what are your thoughts about the timing of this? And is this, is this it? Or uh, is there an opportunity for us to shift the culture back to something we're a little more familiar with? I think, I think the pandemic has made us look or should make us look at the way we're doing business, right? Um, yeah. Tradition is tradition. And, and I have 30 years, there are certain things that that I have that I like doing. And it's because I did it 30 years ago almost. And, and but I think it's time. The pandemic has proven that we can work electronically. Uh, how many times in our careers have we said it, it's terrible coming to the same location? We need to keep people in their stations, those type of things. But we never really conquered that. Well, once the pandemic hit, how long did it take us to get teams and zoom and all these different opportunities up and going in our stations? Not long at all. Uh, once you got past the firefighters thinking that we were spying on them in their stations through the webcams, it was accepted. Uh, and always turned into a good joke when you're talking about those webcams. Um, but it's proven that we can do that. Now, I think traditionally, I think looking at schedules is the next thing. Um, it's okay for having flexible schedules or people that work from home a couple days from a week. I don't see that as a bad thing, especially uh, when we've proven we can do it. If you have the IT capabilities and the proper setup at home to set up a home office as well, our city here in Buckeye has, we're reviewing a policy uh, right now for different, all the different departments now to be left to the department head but they can work from home two days a week. Now we work four tens, 
um, which is, I think, another thing becoming more and more common uh, in, in departments across the country to, to give that little extra thing uh, for their employees so they have a longer weekend. They have some different things that they can look at as well. So their traditional eight to five Monday through Friday workers, I think it's something we, we look at because not only uh, in recruitment retention of new employees, the recruitment and retention of chief officers is difficult because leaving that 4896 to come to a Monday through Friday, eight to five job is not for everyone. And so I think you've got to spice that up a little bit with some of these other opportunities. Working from home is one of those. Um, it takes a different mindset to work from home. I will, I will say that, um, I will say that, uh, that not everybody has that capability. Uh, or mindset to do that. But I think with some expectations, some parameters, and the proper IT, I think you can do it. And I think it's something that we, we're going to have to shift our mindset from some of the traditional things that we do. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And that, that really is about the innovation and us being able to change with the times. And I've been known to say, if only we could fight fire with PlayStation, it would be a lot easier, but we, but we can't. So, you know, I think those are really valid points as it relates to administrative oversight and overhead and those types of things and being able to, to get creative. But operationally, we still need bodies on the apparatus to, you know, put an effective response force on the scene in a timely manner and put out the fires. And, and I think that it's even hard to recruit for that based on some of the same elements you've already mentioned. So, so I guess my question is, what do we do on that end? Have you, have you had some success? Do you have some ideas? Are you doing something different or have you observed elsewhere where they're having some success taking that traditional operational schedule and making it a little more appealing um, and, and helping with our recruitment efforts? So when I was the fire chief in Kingman, when I first got there, we didn't really have a problem with recruitment and retention. Uh, we got bodies. Um, we didn't have a massive turnout, but, but we were very successful at hiring good people, mm -hmm. good character, good individuals. But the pool kind of ran down a little bit. Right. We really started looking internally. And the reason we started doing that is uh, obviously when we would hire, uh, we would put it out on the, all the state sites and we would really advertise across the state and region, uh, including reaching to uh, into California and Southern Nevada. What we found was uh, that was great for a couple years, but eventually some of those candidates were leaving to go back to the Phoenix Metro or the Las Vegas Metro or somewhere else. And so what we really started focusing on was our own community. Uh, Kingman's not a, not a big area. Uh, population's just over 32,000. Uh, but that region um, really meshed in with uh, the, the the districts, the fire districts around there and county area was about 65,000. So we had three high schools we could pull from. And what we started was we had an Explorer program that was really traditionally like a lot of other Explorer programs where they come out and help at community events and, and really just looked at their interests so they could participate with us and kind of give them some insight in their future. But we kind of adjusted that and we partnered with with the uh, WAVE uh, Western Arizona Vocational Education Program in the high schools. They had a high school program, uh, Fire Science, JTED, that we could tag into. And we try and we kind of changed our our mindset of our Explorer program in that right before 
right before uh, COVID started, we started this program that ran traditionally through the school year, and it was really for early release seniors. So they would come to us every day, Monday through Thursday, and we would put them through Explorer training, which was Firefighter 1 and 2. And our whole thing was at the end of the school year, they would take their Firefighter 1 and 2 test, as well as their other certs for hazmat, wildland, et cetera. They would be a full firefighter at the, at the end of the school year. Parents loved it nice. uh, because it uh, a lot of those kids that were in the fire science program obviously enrolled in that. We had a lot of athletes enroll in that and do that. So we would keep them an hour or two a day, set schedule. Some would have to go back to school um, and take another class or go to athletics. But some would, uh, as I said earlier, release, they, they were done for the day. So after the, the first year, uh, we had 14 kids go through and 10 finish the program. Now, the caveat with that was I had a couple individuals in our prevention office. They taught that that training every day. COVID hit. We obviously had to shut it down, but we extended it so that they graduated in, in December. That's why we lost a few students uh, because some moved on. They went to college. Uh, we had a couple go into wildland and do some other things, but we graduated those and we actually hired the first kid out of that class uh, as a as a full time firefighter. It worked very well. The other thing that we could do was we had part time position, part time firefighters that we could also we kind of laid out the caveat that if you get through this program uh, and you're in good standing, we'll hire you as a as a part time firefighter. So they had bait at the end of it for a job. And mm -hmm. so it worked out very well. And what better, we all know that going through academies and things like that, what better way to see kids, uh, especially new recruits. And we can, you could work with them and train them throughout. Now we started this, uh, another class, the, the second class in August of 2021. The only difference was we had a couple of our brand new captains that ran the program. And you talk about a change in delivery. It was fantastic. That's and so certifying them as firefighters at the end of that was great. And uh, so it, it quite the change. And, and I was talking to some of the assistant chiefs last week and very successful, very successful program up there. So transition to Buckeye, um, being on the west side, I'm competing with the good years, the surprise Peoria's and even Phoenix for the candidates. So I have to start something like that up again. And one of the captains and I were talking uh, last week and starting our cadet program back up and doing much the same as, as our population grows. How do we get into the high schools? How do we get into the community colleges and really recruit um, recruit those kids, uh, the new candidates to stay in Buckeye? Well, those are, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the, um, a lot of the feedback I've received both in developing and, and co-hosting these podcasts with Sheldon, it, it seems like a lot of the solutions are not super complicated. And one thing that I haven't heard, I mean, you ha always have to have competitive wages. You always have to have good benefits. That's never going to go away. And it's probably a, it's probably a hill you never reach the summit on. But by and large, that's not what we hear from fire chiefs is it's 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 things like you you talked about. It's hooking them early. It's finding people with a passion. It's looking at schedules and and things that provide a better work life balance. So that, 
In a second, I want to ask for some takeaways, but um, of course, uh, we've known each other for a long time and I'm privy to information that your son's on the job. So you kind of have an inside source here as to what this um, current generation of firefighter is thinking and feeling. And and, and while he's, uh, he's a chip off the old block, no doubt, I'm curious, does he ever share with you uh, anything that you think might be useful to our audience? He's a career firefighter and a, and a good sized department in your same state. Um, I don't want to get him ridiculed, so I won't use his name. Or his name. <laughs> uh, what, what kind of insider trading do you have on, on this caliber of firefighter that we're hiring and trying to retain? So, so my son is, he's a lot like me, I would say. Um, that's to say the least he is in a good sized department. Um, so some of the things that he really focuses on is, and hears, um, it, it's about culture. It's the things that, what else are you providing in your department? And it is that I, quality of life. They have, his department has really nice facilities, but it is that environment that we create, right? Um, that those things that those expectations we put out there as fire chiefs, they don't get wrapped up in the drama like we do, um, or did, right. That, that was a thing. And so that coming to work and being happy and healthy and having those things that, that you want to do, uh, they want career progression. Um, we talk about that a lot, but they just like the environment, that quality of what they have in their organization. So it, it's always that grass is always greener. So how's your grass? How are you treating your grass in your own lawn? And some of that is as simple as how are you treating your employees? What are some of the benefits outside of compensation? Because quite frankly, some departments can't compete uh, with their neighbors. And, and we've all seen that there are some individuals that will jump to another department for $2,000. Well, not all things are the same in, in the other department. And we always question that. I know you and I have had those, some of those conversations, but it is some of those other things that, that we provide. And, and, uh, and sometimes I think we take those for granted or we overlook those. And it is, it's about quality of life and communication. Are they participating or able to participate in the organization and the direction of the department? Something as simple as strategic planning community driven strategic planning. Of course, we're out listening to the public, but how are firefighters interpreting that? So when we're doing strategic planning session sessions, is it a fire chief sitting right on a desk or you have firefighters uh, participating in that process because they're the future. They're the future company officers. They're the future chiefs. Um, I was, I was pretty fortunate back in Kingman that in my first couple of years, I kind of, define two individuals just by their traits that that's the future and they were brand new battalion chiefs at the time and now they're they're the assistant chiefs and they'll be the next one of those two will be the next chief in kingman uh eventually but how are we listening to those folks uh especially the new uh all all ranks really and i think that's a big thing for for individuals in departments jay my son and i talk about that quite a bit in, in those other things around the stations. Jake, we, we get, uh, this has been a pretty hot topic and um, while we've interviewed a lot of uh, important guests and we cover some 
some things that I think are cool and innovative. Uh, you know, ultimately, Sheldon and I are just trying to get out there and, and from a grassroots perspective, just talk to fire chiefs who are out there doing the work every day. No doubt you're somebody who is doing that work uh, now in uh, the Maricopa County Valley and, and the greater Phoenix area, and, and you're doing a good job. We get a lot of fire chiefs that, that uh, you know, submit questions and, and have comments on these podcasts. And I'd like to hear from you, you know, for these listeners to the iChiefs podcast series, if they've got, if, if they're embarking on trying to solve this issue, if they want to make uh, their grass a little greener, as you just said, what are some what what are some quick tips that you would give them? Some quick takeaways here. So one, I I would say know your community, um, and by that, um, you got to recruit locally. I think that's one of the big the big things that I see, and I and I still do it. I'll send out advertisements across the whole state, but how much do you have right there? How much can you grow that? Is it an explorer program? How do you get those those candidates to stay home uh, and serve their community, the community that they've grown up in. Um, it's one, again, wages, quality of life, all those things, but how do you get those kids to stay home? How do you reach those high schoolers, those type of things? So that, that to me is the most important is know your community and those areas uh, because your department has reputation, right? And so, so know your department reputation and how it stands in your community. You know, we all know in our communities that that we're well supported, well respected, those type of things. But every every department has a different uh, reputation, I would say. So, what's your reputation in your community, especially among recruits? There, are, I, I can go back to to a couple of departments out there. Um, they're known for hazing and those type of things. That culture doesn't go anymore. It does not go, and I think that's something to really look at because recruits are looking at it and that word of mouth is stronger than anything. So know that those, know those things. Well, we've been talking to fire chief Jake Rhodes of the Buckeye, Arizona fire department. Jake, thank you for spending some time with Sheldon and I today. I enjoyed listening to you. I think you've got a great perspective on uh, some good ideas for solutions. So I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. You can check out more about the Buckeye, Arizona fire department by going to the department website and that's buckeyeaz.com slash fire. Uh, they also have a very active uh, Twitter account. Matter of fact, just posted about uh, recruiting some new firefighters there. Their Twitter handle is at buckeyeazfire. As Chief Rhodes mentioned, uh, it's time to look at the grass in your department. We hope you have enjoyed some of the takeaways from him today, knowing your community, knowing that work-life balance matters more in our agencies than it ever has, ideas like high school explorer programs, and just making sure that, that new firefighters have something to keep them entertained, career progression, career momentum, those things matter. For all of our listeners out there, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us today, and leave a rating or review, especially if you like the content. Lastly, we'd ask you to share this podcast with other chiefs in the business. We're trying to reach out, grow our listenership, and we appreciate your assistance. We appreciate you joining us today. We'll talk again soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.